Okay, so John, just briefly uh, tell people about, about, about your family, your wife, your kids, and uh, yeah. I do want to start off just by saying I'm really amazed that you drew a comparison between yourself and Tom Brady at the beginning of the service. That's, that's a bold statement. I struggle with pride. <laughs> Not shoes you want to be, be uh, filling on. Yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, so I'm a lifelong Patriots fan, so that's my, my love for Tom Brady there. Um, yeah, so John Joseph, thank you for having me. It's, it, seriously, I'm super encouraged to be here and to see what God is doing uh, in this church. Uh, Blake mentioned family, so yes, I've been married for eight years, going on nine. Uh, it'll be nine years this coming December to my beautiful, wonderful, amazing, wise wife, Leah. Uh, she grew up in Annapolis, Maryland, about 30 minutes from where we live now. She is the much better half of our marriage uh, and my huge support. And then we have four children, uh, Jack, who's seven, Knox is five, uh, Grace is almost three, she'll be three on April 1st, and Caroline, who is three months old. So we are loving having children and walking around like zombies all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, and I grew up, uh, grew up in a military family. Uh, my dad was in the army, so we moved around a lot. I would say I grew up mostly between Virginia and Panama. Uh, I lived in Virginia twice and Panama twice, lived also in Peru, Missouri, New York. But those were the formative kind of the Panama as a country and the Virginia were the two formative places of my childhood. Uh, Grew up in a Catholic family, Uh, faith and, yeah, faith, Jesus, any of that. It was not a huge part of our lives. We did go to Mass uh, regularly each Sunday, but it was more just kind of, it was just a thing that we did as a family. Uh, I did not think much about Jesus at all, was not a Christian, and, you know, by the time I got to to high school, you know, when we went to Mass, it was more just like, I'm going to check out for the next hour and just stare at the wall and think about stuff. Didn't believe in Jesus, thought it was a joke, didn't, was not religious, just thought the Bible was silly, faith in Jesus was silly. Uh, Went to college at VCU, played baseball there in Richmond, Virginia. The way I would describe it is most kids, when they get to college, they start off immature, and they move towards maturity and taking on adult responsibilities by the time they're, they're ready to graduate college. Uh, I started off as immature and became reckless. Uh, so I, my college experience was one of partying and doing that whole lifestyle. And it really just became my whole life by the time I, I graduated college in 2002. And because that had to become my life... Uh, when I did graduate in 2002, I was not ready to take on adult responsibilities. So uh, I got into bartending and the restaurant scene, which for me, it just led to uh, large amounts of drug and alcohol abuse, uh, really made a wreck of my life. So even people who were using drugs regularly and drinking all the time with me, they were concerned about me. Like, hey, you need, you need to calm down because you're really going to hurt yourself. Uh, and I was, I, I was really just lost control of myself and uh, did not know how to change. At times would want to change and then, you know, the nighttime would roll around and, you know, I would just go out and do the same thing again. So really didn't have any control over myself. I thought the problem was Richmond, Virginia. If I get out of Richmond, I can fix my life. So I, my, because my dad's background in the military, he encouraged me to look into the services and I joined the Coast Guard. I got stationed in Portland or Astoria, Oregon, uh, after I joined, and I thought, you know, this is an opportunity for me to make a fresh start, 
I was stationed on a boat. We would go out to sea for a couple weeks at a time. But I just quickly found out that uh, Richmond, Virginia was not the problem. I was the problem. And no matter where I went, the pro- same problems were going to follow me. And because I didn't have a, a new heart, I didn't have any control over myself, I didn't have any, I just had the same desires. So I started doing the same things again. But the Lord was super gracious. Uh, it was around that time, 2007, where he put uh, a Christian in my life named Art Thompson. Art was just a wonderful guy. Uh, he loved Jesus. He loved me. He wasn't shy about his belief in Christ. He wasn't shy about his love for me. Uh, we would have conversations. I would ask him questions. He bought me the book, the, the Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. That really, the Lord really used that to start getting me thinking about Jesus. But then I got restationed. And, and I don't know if you have anyone like this in your life. You know, you invite them to church and they're like, yeah, I'll come, yeah, I'll come. And then they never come. I was that guy. So don't give up on that person if they exist in your life. Uh, I never went to church. I maybe went to church with Art once, but my life just didn't change. I got restationed in California. The Lord put a few more Christians in my life. And then I got stationed in Baltimore, Maryland in 2008, late 2008. And... The Lord used a series of books and then sermons online uh, to really bring me to the point where I recognized I needed a Savior and that I couldn't change myself. Uh, and he used uh, a pastor by the name of John Piper. Uh, January 5th of 2010, I was listening to a sermon. It was about two minutes into the sermon. Uh, and not everybody has this experience, but uh, it was a very clear experience in which I knew When I looked back at my life, I no longer described what I did as like those were bad things. It was, I had, I came to the point where I was able to say I've sinned against a holy God and and I deserve to go to hell. And I knew I was going to hell. There's, there's no question in my mind because of all that I'd done. And then the next moment, the only way I can describe it is the burden lifted and I said, Jesus is Lord. Didn't, don't know why I'm saying this, (laughs) but I believe in him now and he's my savior uh, and there was, a, there, were, there was a large change pretty quickly in, in my life in, in many ways. Um, and should I tell about, like, ending up at CHBC? Yeah, just so y'all have the, if you want more details, I sent out a link this past week from Christianity Today on his testimony that they wrote about a year ago. But we'll kind of fast forward to he's a new Christian, yeah. shows up at a church in Washington, D.C., and yeah. here we are. Yeah, so I, I, I was listening to sermons online after I became a Christian, and the three months after I became a Christian, I was just kind of trying to consume as much as I could. Like, what is this whole Christianity thing? Uh, and so I, through all these sermons, I realized I need to find a church. You know, all these pastors are saying the same thing. John Piper, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul. I need to be a part of a church. So I started looking for a church. And um, tried a few different ones out for what, one reason or another. Just didn't seem like what I'm hearing from the front at these churches is not what I'm hearing online from these pastors who I really appreciate. And so I found one in D.C., didn't know anything about it, Capitol Hill Baptist Church. I drove down, uh, and it just became very clear to me the first service. I just looked around. I saw a whole bunch of guys who were about my age who were serious about following Jesus, and I just never thought, like, oh, wow, there are other guys like me doing this who are, who are trying to follow the Lord. And so I quickly got invested at Capitol Hill Baptist Church. That was in 2010. And over the course of about the first two, two and a half years there, man, the Lord was just giving me desires to teach, to share the gospel. I was doing that at work when I was still in the Coast Guard. And the pastors there really started discipling me. 
uh, and investing in my life and slowly, gently, but clearly encouraging me to consider potentially going into ministry. And so I lined up the end of my contract in the Coast Guard in 2013 and then uh, left the Coast Guard in September of 2013 and started the internship. It's a pastoral internship at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in 2014. So I came on board about a year and a half after John was an intern, and John was one of the first people I emailed with uh, when I was accepted into it and thinking when I could uh, on-ramp into the church. My first experience in really getting to know John, uh, my second Sunday, that that summer of 15, John got up to preach, preached from Psalm 60. I mean, how many of you knew what Psalm 60 is about? Probably very little of us. He got up there and preached a fantastic sermon, blew me away. Me and Pastor Mark got in the van to go to a subway, and I said, man, how many years has that brother been preaching? He said that was his third sermon ever. What? And uh, yeah, he just became a Christian like five years ago. I'm like, why am I at this church? (laughs) I don't have a chance. I just need to go back to Georgia. But I was blown away with how God not only saved John, but gifted John in a profound way. And, uh, and that kind of leads to, he was at CHBC on staff for about three to four years mm-hmm. on staff. Yep. And then in 2017 into 18, uh, he and along with three other elders at CHBC were living in Chevrolet, Maryland, which is that, that suburb, and they were thinking for quite some time whether there could be a gospel preaching church in their own neighborhood instead of everyone coming into D.C. And so after thinking about it, they looked around at the table of who was the next uh, pilot to be shot out to fly a plane out of CHBC, and, and John was next up. So they began to talk with John, and we as elders began to pray with them. And they eventually, February of 2018, so three years ago this month, February 18th. 2018. There we go. Established um, Chevy Chevrolet Baptist Church. So they are officially this month about uh, two and a half years ahead of us of where we will be, Lord willing. So that kind of brings us to here, John, for the sake of time and just to help them since we're an early church plant too. um, Just tell them in a three-year span, Mm -hmm. um, what will you say has been different from the first six months? We're in that honeymoon stage and getting to know each other's age to the three-year mark, just kind of give a flyover of what ministry's been like in starting a new church. And I mean, how many members are there? There are 82 now. We started with 59, 59 uh, adults, and then we had a whole bunch of kids. And so keeping in mind, this church who's grown in about 25 or so members came from a church of about 1,000. So similar to like First Baptist. So I'd love for you to uh, tell us, one, what does year one look like compared to maybe year three, or is there any difference? Uh, And then I guess just any encouragement or advice that you would give a church in their first year of ministry, what should we be most focused on and not get distracted by? So a little bit about CBC and advice to us. Yeah, so I would say we can't, I can't help but, you know, tell part of our story is that we came out of Capitol Hill Baptist Church. And so we were coming out of a church of roughly a thousand people with a beautiful building, super well-known ministry, 
all the, you know, kind of the things that you would want in a church. You've got your children's ministry. It's kind of all built out. You've got the things that you need in the church. You've got all of that, right? And, and it's a historic building. You got, now we're like, we're all coming out of that, and we're meeting in this elementary school cafeteria. Like, literally, my first few months of preaching, I'm preaching in front of this gray divider wall that's got, like, like drawings of giraffes and like <laughs> farm animals that the kids are doing like it just is like kind of maybe a little bit like this not not in the the same way but like hey you're meeting on a basketball court right so you're coming out of this building and you're like oh a lot a little bit of insecurity you know kind of like are people gonna like us you know will visitors come back uh you know is this thing gonna work there's a whole lot of that going on and, and there's you know Wrapped up in that, there's fear of man and insecurities and things like that. I would say, fast forward now, we are still kind of mobile. We're still, you know, moving around. We don't have a building of our own. But I'm just way more settled. Like, the Lord is in this. It doesn't matter if we're meeting in an elementary school. It doesn't matter if we got all the bells and whistles. Like, the Lord has said, when you preach the word, right, if you preach the gospel... You celebrate the sacraments in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am with you. Right? Think about the Israelites in the Old Testament for a minute. They had the temple, right? There were people in Israel who were like, we got the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. The Lord's like, you don't have me, right? You can have the building. You can have the bells and whistles. You can have all of it and not have the Lord. So the most important things, I think there's just more of a settledness in all of us, like, it doesn't matter how big we are. It doesn't matter how great things are. Like, of course we want to do music well. Of course we want our children's ministry to, you know, take care of kids and train them up in the Lord. But if we don't have all of the greatest stuff and we don't have a super well-known ministry, that's okay. Because it's not about how many people know us. It's about whether the Lord knows us, right? Uh, and so I would just say, look, the Lord is going to work among you. The Lord is going to care for you. Don't, yeah, seriously, don't sweat where you're, where you're at and uh, just trust the Lord's going to bring you through uh, so many different things. He's going to provide for all that you need. Hmm. Nothing profound, yeah. but like, yeah, this is, that's it. Yeah. Well, I think one thing John and I both agree with, if you are a church that's been established, whether that you were quote unquote sent or you had to just relocate for various reasons, when you're meeting in a new place with a new identity, it's really a fresh start. Mm -hmm. you're, you're having to get to know each other all over again in, in new ways. And so even though they came out of Capitol Hill Baptist Church, that went from 1,000 to, to 59 and under a different lead pastor mm -hmm. in a different part of the community mm -hmm. with really different philosophy of ministry in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so just kind of a different flavor, a different room, a different place uh, has its both strengths and, and weaknesses, and you know every every church that's uh, in its early years has those same same yeah. things. And that's some of the things that I would you know encourage you guys to think about as you're thinking about like you're building this ministry from the ground up. You've got a really solid foundation. Uh, I think one of the things that was eye opening for me uh, starting out is when you become a church planner, you get welcomed into all these church planner meetings and circles where you're meeting other church planners. And then I very quickly realized, like, 
there are a lot of church planners who don't have it as well as me. Like there are, there are guys starting off with five, six, seven, eight, nine people that don't have money. They're, they're very little going for them. And the reality is like probably five to seven years from now, most of them are not going to be around because it's hard. And so the fact that the Lord blessed us with such a large group, you know, 59 people. We're, basically, we started off like a full-blown church. We had elders, we had deacons, and that is such an amazing blessing. But then starting off, you know, that foundation, uh, and maybe something I'll just like, kind of encourage you all in, is just focus on the basics, right? Focus on uh, the word being preached. Focus on building up a, a, a culture of prayer, relying on the Lord, uh, of gathering together. I think you guys are at a size now where you can be a family, and the more that you build into those relationships, so rather than thinking about what ministries can we start and you know, what are all the events that we can do, think about spending your energy to getting to know one another and, and really building that family culture and then do the same when you have visitors come in. Super welcoming, just kind of gather them up, get to know them, get to know people that you don't know in the church. Because like he said, even with a, coming out of a church that we had all been in for years, we realized a lot of us, oh, we actually don't know each other all that well. And we need, to, we need to start building those relationships. Well, this morning, John alluded to in Colossians 1, suffering and how suffering can take on a variety of different forms. And then he specifically gave an application to praying for your pastor because there might be a peculiar suffering that he and his wife go through as they're ministering to the flock. Uh, John and his wife have been going through some types of suffering uh, that have hit very close to home while they've been pastoring this early church plant. So, John, do you want to speak a little bit about Leah's parents? Yeah. Um, you mentioned Tom this morning yep. and his example in your life. If you can just briefly share what exactly happened and mm -hmm. where are they at today and how has that been both difficult for you and Leah as you've pastored this church mm -hmm. and what has actually been life-giving for you as a pastor with that suffering? Yeah, so Leah's parents, uh, she was raised in a really strong Christian family. She has amazing parents. Uh, you know, obviously, her dad has passed away now, but both her dad, Tom, and her mom, Pam, just amazing, godly, wonderful Christians. When we were coming to plant the church, uh, Tom and Pam were members at Capitol Hill Baptist Church, and I really wanted Tom to be an elder uh, when we planted CBC. So he was part of our leadership team for the whole year leading up to uh, us planting. And then right around the time, it was a couple months before we actually covenanted together as a church, he just started complaining of back pain. Uh, and then the back pain kept getting worse and worse. And then he started losing weight and he was, you know, not doing well. And so he went to the doctors, got scans done, and he, he was diagnosed with uh, stage four pancreatic cancer, which is, you know, it's a really aggressive cancer. Uh, and that just, you know, that, that, that rocks you. And so uh, we were thrown off by that. And immediately, Tom and Pam, they moved to Arizona to be part of a clinical trial. Uh, and that really ended up extending his life, I think, longer than most people uh, would experience with, with pancreatic cancer. But it was really hard just to walk with him, to watch him kind of wasting away, you know, the outer self wasting away. Uh, but also seeing how the Lord just continued strengthening him spiritually through all of that. Um, he passed away in July of last year, but you kind of rewind in some of the story. When he finished his, his clinical trial, it was like a big sigh of relief. And uh, he was coming back. Their doctors were like, hey, 
you know, he's obviously, he's got a long road ahead of him, and it, it may not last that much longer, but we're really thankful for the progress he's made. And it was a huge sigh of relief, and him and Pam land back in Maryland. They get to their house, they settle in for a couple days, and then Pam uh, gets diagnosed with breast cancer. So you're just like, oh, man, how is this happening? Like, one after the other. So she's gone through a long period of treatment. She just got back uh, recently from cancer treatment centers, getting some follow-up scans. But, so she was being treated for cancer while he was being treated for cancer. He passes away right around the time that she makes it through her, her treatment. Uh, she had actually had a major surgery, and then like two weeks later, uh, he passed away. So it just seemed like one thing after another. It was really hard. But uh, honestly, there's just this mysterious way that the Lord works by his spirit to just encourage, uh, you know, watching him go through it and setting his eyes uh, on the glory to come. Uh, Just, you know, John, I have never questioned once the Lord's love for me. In fact, I believe it more now than I I did before I went through this. And just seeing like the the Lord works in those ways among his people. And so uh, it's been really hard. And now, now we're still caring for Pam. And uh, trying to help her walk through this next season of life. And, and, and that's really, you know, it's difficult. Uh, but the Lord equips us along the way for those things. Hmm. Well, guys, just due to time, we won't open the floor for questions now. But if you'd like to reach out to John, you can speak with him after tonight's uh, gathering's over. You can also email him if that's all right. Totally. Um, if he doesn't respond back quickly, just be patient. Uh, but if you'd like to learn more about the ministry there at CBC, learn more about uh, his family. Uh, if you're ever traveling to D.C. for a kind of a tourist trip, but you'd like to go visit his church, they're only about what? Well, they'll be within 20 minutes. Yeah, of well, downtown. right now, but we'll probably at some point when the pandemic ends be closer to D.C. But I'm sure he'd love to get lunch, uh, yeah. you know, if you're flying in there to, to see all the monuments, he'd love to, to see you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pray for John, and then we'll continue on. Lord, we come before you tonight, and we thank you for what you've done in John's life. Lord, he would have never thought 20 years ago he would be preaching the gospel and encouraging a church in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Lord, how many of us, if we looked at our life, had so many plans, we were going in a different direction, and you changed all of it. Lord, we praise you that you redirect our paths. We praise you that you save us from ourself. We praise you for brothers and sisters who you put in our life to speak the truth to us, to invite us to church, and to never give up on us. Lord, I pray that you would use John's testimony to encourage someone here tonight. Lord, we also pray for for CBC as they are a sister church across the country. We pray you would provide for them uh, the building they need to have more permanent uh, standing in a community. We also pray for continued endurance for he and Leah Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged that their labors are not in vain. Their suffering is not in vain. Uh, Lord, even Tom's life, though he died, his faith still speaks. Uh, Lord, I pray for Pam as she is recovering and adjusting to a new stage of life without her husband. Uh, Make her strong. Cause her to be a widow who intercedes uh, evermore for the saints. Lord, I also pray... Uh, for John and Leah's children, as they have been through a lot themselves and watching all these challenges come their way. We pray that you would save each one of them, and we pray you would protect them 
Lord, we also ask that you give Leah and John wisdom on how to raise them up in the fear and admonition of you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for John's message today. We pray that we would each reflect more on what he said and proclaim Christ everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.